1: At this moment, there are over seven billion people in the world. Some are running scared. Some are coming home. Some tell lies to make it through the day. Others are just now facing the truth. Some are evil men at war with good. And some, while they're good, struggling with evil. Over seven billion people in the world over seven billion souls and sometimes all you need is one welcome to the as told by nomads podcast where you'll learn how nomads third culture kids entrepreneurs and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxy. What up, nomads? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's episode is amazing. I love this particular episode because it's with Mathilde, who is a master TCK connector, master third culture kid connector. But before we get into that, I wanted to answer some of the questions that I've been getting from you all. I absolutely love the questions, so keep them coming. I'm at Tyrox and everywhere. I think I'm the only one in the world, so I definitely will get every single question that you send to me. One of the questions you've been asking Is is interesting enough? What is this intro that you've been doing? It seems like you're you're you're, there. All these quotes, where have you been getting them from? Well, these quotes I've been getting are from my favorite show of all time, One Tree Hill. (laughs) I know some of you are always surprised to hear me say that, but that truly is my favorite show of all time. And you know, I'm basically sharing the most inspirational quotes that I that I heard in the in the in the movie or sorry, in the series, rather. And my hope is that they help you start your day off right. So those are where the quotes are coming from. Another thing you've all been asking me is, you know, on Twitter, you're always talking about many things. What is your latest project? What are you up to now? So I'll just tell you. As a matter of fact, just recently, I just wrapped up a keynote at a podcasting conference called MapCon. My particular talk was on uh community building and storytelling how to use you know me different mediums like podcasts to do that you know to do just that and i you know shared my story talked about the best ways to do that and i'm not sure when the video will come out but if it's out whenever it's out i definitely will tweet it out and share it on my facebook and linkedin and everywhere so you all be able to see it for sure the other thing that i've been doing occasionally is i do some segments with now this news you know, I, sometimes I pitch them an idea and you know, if they like it, you know, they let me come into the studio and work in that. So the latest segment that I did with now this news is called The Identity of Black Women in America. So a lot of what I care about is is helping people understand cultures. So I was truly you know, I, I tr- was truly impacted by the by some of the recent events and I wanted to give the world a chance to hear you know just about what it is the the underlying problems are you know within several communities in the world. So this particular topic was on on the stereotypes and the identity and the representation of the black woman in America. So I had two amazing guests with me. One was Asha Boston and the other was Renisha Bing. I'll be sure to put those in the show notes, but you know it's 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 one that I'm uh, you know these are topics that I'm truly passionate about and I, and I'm honored and now this news was, grateful, um, was graceful enough to allow me to step into the studio and, and basically record. So thank you for that. And the third thing that I've been up to is the segments that you've been hearing. A lot of you are so pumped about the upcoming segments with Andy Malinsky. Last country we did was China. And I can't help. I can't, actually, I can't tell you how excited I am that you all are excited about learning about more more. Countries, you know, it just proves my hypothesis that you all are the smartest audience in the world and the most curious. <laughs> but um, he he uh, he told me to express to you all that he's he's so excited to to share more. We have many more countries coming up. The next country is Korea, and you'll be hearing that in a couple of days. So that's kind of what I've been up to. I definitely want to know what you are up to, and you know where you can find me everywhere in the world. It's Tyroxin, but. Let's check out the episode. Make sure you share and tell your friends. <laughs> See you next week or in a couple of days. Bonjour à tous. Welcome to another episode of As Told by Nomads. Today's guest, as you can uh, probably guess from my, my, my greeting, is a French and Italian person. Her name is Mathilde Coraccio. And she grew up in Singapore until she headed back to France in 2010, where she spent five years before returning to Singapore. She founded the Third Culture Kid Project after reflecting on the return to France, where she experienced harsh cultural clashes and an identity crisis. Now, what we're going to be talking about today with Matilda is her TCK story, her Third Culture Kid story, how she came out of that identity crisis and has turned that into a positive Force positive movement to help bring the world together. Welcome to the show. Bienvenue, Matid.
0: Merci. <laughs> Enchanté.
1: Enchanté. Enchanté. So I always start off every interview with giving the guest a chance to talk about their journey, how they got started, what it was like when they first really came into the world, and walk that up until now. So, what was your Initial experience when you, uh, when you were born, what led you to this passion that you have now that's bringing people together?
0: Mm. All right. So I was, I was born in France and I had a pretty normal life until I was seven. Um, and then one day my dad was like, We're moving to Singapore. So I was seven and you know, I didn't really know where Singapore was. I actually thought that was a region in France. <laughs> so you know, that's how clueless I was. Um, and so we moved. It was a very long journey, uh, and I arrived in Singapore when I was seven. So, large family. I have two brothers and one sister. So, yeah, I ended up spending ten years in Singapore. So, I I think because I moved there when I was young, um, for me it became very normal. I began to feel at home, and for me, Singapore was home. So, I think that. The tipping point was when my father randomly during dinner said, we're moving back to France after wow. 10 years. Yeah, and that was that was like, you don't really understand. Um, and he said something during that dinner. He was like, guys, this is going to be tough. Um, if you need to talk, please talk to us because you're going to experience some pretty weird things. And I at the time, I didn't know what he meant. You know, for me, it's like, I'm French. I have a French passport. I speak French. I'm heading back to France. What's the big deal? Right. And and I think, I think not thinking that through um, was perhaps actually one of the best things that happened to me. So we went back, and um, it was very, very weird. It was very weird. I did not <laughs> connect. I couldn't connect. I felt so out of place, and I couldn't understand why. Like, I remember this, this story I tell a lot of people, but my dad sent me to buy a baguette, you know, this yeah. bread. <laughs> French people eat a lot, pretty much at every meal. Uh-huh. Um, so just to give you context, we moved back to a very tiny village in Burgundy. So we're talking less than a 1,000 people in the village, a lot of cows, old people, like, you know in the middle of nowhere. So from Singapore to that. Um, So I I went to get bread for my family and I walked in the shop and I knew the words, um, you know, I speak French at home. We spoke French, but it was always a mixture of English and French because everyone's my parents work environment and we went to international school. So, you know, everyone just spoke English all day. So at home it, you kind of sense that. So my French was a bit weird. Um, so anyway, I went into that shop and, and I wanted to buy bread and I couldn't say it, you know, I couldn't like, I like, have a sentence, I, I had the words, but right. it just didn't work. And, and she must have thought I was crazy. I uh, <laughs> was very awkward. I remember that because in these villages, they're very, so people there, they're born there, they grew up there and they died there. So everyone's connected. It's cousins of cousins. It's, you know, it's, it's like that in these small villages. So when a family of six randomly arrives in that small village, you know, people start talking or like wondering who we were, what we were doing there and all this stuff. So it felt pretty hostile in some ways. Um, so anyway, I, I was, I did not go to school in that small village. I actually did a year of IB in Singapore. So my parents were like, you need to have a high school diploma, um, with the international option. So there was this whole struggle with like, cause you know, the French have their own baccalaureate. So I couldn't continue IB in France. So I went to this boarding school where they had a French baccalaureate with an international option. Anyway, very, very messy. But anyway, I started there and I found myself in this sort of elite school where French people started learning English when they were very young because they really wanted to just, do that baccalaureate with an international option as it's called, OIB. And um I couldn't fit in, you know. I, I just really couldn't fit in with these people. They were so competitive, they were so like it was such a big deal to, to be able to speak English, to be able to to write. Um I remember if they had like eighty percent grade, they would just start crying in class. <laughs> like it was so just out of place. Maybe these people were just so competitive. So, And I was in boarding school as well. So I think I was far away from the family. I, I went back on the weekends, but it just still felt odd. Um, and also, one big culture thing was politics in France. Because in Singapore, politics are very particular. I'm not sure if you're familiar. But, no. you know, same family.
1: No, no I can't say I am.
0: Singapore has been governed by the same family for 51 years now. Um, You know, politics is not something you openly can discuss. You have to kind of be careful. Um, Yeah, so in France, actually, politics define you, and that I didn't know. But in, in class, you would have people who were considered... Like left wing, and they were like the cool ones, and then they would like be mean to people who proclaimed themselves to be from the right wing. So you know, it was like we'd have these passionate debates in class about politics, and and you're kind of like, what's going on? Like that was one of the the highlights as well. Um, and a girl actually thought I was um, ex- an extreme right, like. That I was for the extreme right leader in France, which was odd because I spent, you know, 10 years overseas and um, I was not, you know, did not share the same values as extreme right. So that was very weird. Like it just, I just couldn't connect. I really couldn't. It took me two years to actually be able to connect with French people. (laughs) Uh, So it's just...
1: So, you know, it's funny. I love the story because you're talking about that struggle to connect. And I've often said in previous episodes that I found my connectors and listeners know it. It's sports, it's pop culture and geography. But I'm curious how you found your connectors and what your connectors were to eventually get to the level where you could feel maybe more at home in France.
0: You know what's funny? It's that I actually did not openly seek any connectors. I actually started embracing the difference Mm. because... I arrived I was in denial all the way. I was like, I do not want to try with these people. I do not want to be friends with these people. Um, they don't understand. I don't want to understand them. And I think after two years I started shifting, you know, and being like, I need to try. I need to to share share my story. Um, and and when TCK share their story, it's always a little particular because you know people might think you're bragging sometimes or people might not believe you um so you know learn how to share your story in in a way that's that can connect and learn to listen to others and then try I think it was just trying shifting your mentality Hmm. um yeah and then from now then I found some connectors like music um just current events and all this stuff
1: that's, that's so interesting. So you, you, you eventually became brave enough to share your story. And that's what sort of broke that cycle for you where you're like, you know what, this is, you know, I'm in denial. I'm, in a, I'm now in France. I need to accept it. Uh, this is how things are done here. I'm just going to share my story and do that. Were you ever scared when you were sharing your story? Did you feel like you were not, you know, no one was hearing you or seeing you or you thought that maybe it wouldn't resonate?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I think the first thing was, like, why am I even bothering to share my story because they won't understand what I'm going through. And then at some time, some, po- some point I was like, well, you know what? I shouldn't be sharing my story. I should just, like, move on and, you know, try to adapt and just... And there was a part of me that wanted to forget what I had lived and uh, what I considered as tough as a tough change to make and a part of me that wanted to just scream my story. So I was very like, I was in between, um, two, two things. I didn't know what to do.
1: Hmm. Well, if we're going to stay with stories here, the reason why I love, love, love what you do is because you do share other people's stories, other third culture kid stories. And I'm so curious as to what led to the third culture kid project, because you talked about the importance of sharing your story, despite how scary that might've been. But then now you've become this ambassador um, um, for other TCKs where you're just, you create this platform. Um, and it's crazy how it similar both of us had that idea. But I think we both found some sort of solace in doing that. It's like you're building a community, but you're also giving people a voice. But that was my yeah. experience. What was, what was your experience? Why did you feel like you needed to do that?
0: Um. So I, I um, after two years, it was a lot better. I went to business school and I actually found a way to go back to Singapore. Um, so that was a big thing. And, you know, you can idealize things. I think I idealized Singapore when I was in France. I was like, I need to be in Singapore. That's my home and all this stuff. But when I actually went back to Singapore, I was like, wow, it doesn't feel like I expected it to feel. And then I was trying to understand why am I feeling this way? Um, and I was lucky because I was doing an, an internship where I was learning about cross-cultural communication and management. And I stumbled on the term third culture kid at that time. And I was like, okay, I, I understand. I understand better what's going on. But I think it's very tough to qualify things with words and terms. It's always about personal stories and, and what others have experienced. So I wanted to kind of, um, start that project. Actually it was, um, one with a friend, it was slightly random. We, we took pictures of, of a guy named Carlo for the first interview and he told us about his story and then it led to more interviews. Um, and that was fun. And I was like, the stories are all so different, also beautiful, also unique. But there's always that common thread of identity crisis. There's always that common thread of uh, not loneliness, but difficulty when it comes to friendship, relationships, defining a, a home for future and all this stuff, career as well as one. So, yeah, um, we started sharing these these interviews. And then Instagram was actually a platform where I connected a lot with other other TCKs. There's a big community out there, but I felt like each TCK was out for themselves. You know, we feel like no one can understand and it's our own journey. So we do it ourselves and, and we don't, you know, it's a, it's, um, it's not something that's selfish. I would say it's just there's, they don't feel like there's a community out there.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. And and for those listening who who might be listening for the first time, and wondering what a TCK is. A TCK is an acronym for third culture kids, and third culture kids refer to people who spent the formative periods of their lives outside their parents' cultures. You know, so it could be diplomatic kids, people that just missionary kids, anyone that just sort of grew up outside the parents' cultures during the formative years. And, um, yeah, Matilda is, it's, it's so interesting that you say that because when I started this podcast and, and the other things that led to this was, I felt like there might be a lot of people who, first of all, who might not know what the term is, but there are a lot of people who would know the term, but not quite know how to, to bring people together. I felt like it was in silos and it's like, you're saying a lot of individual stories. So I was always curious about finding that common thread between that because, it calls the floating tribe. And I think the thing about TCKs is, is that it doesn't necessarily matter how you look like or what language you speak, but you talk to someone else or we were talking before the phone, you instinctively understand, okay, I get that experience. That happened to me too. That's something that we can share that I don't even need to explain further. And and, and I was always wondering what the best way to do that was. And and, it, and I do think media is one of the best ways, whether it's social media with Instagram or creating blog posts but showing other people that there are other people who have similar stories um, and, and, and I think you've done that so well but it also reminds me of one of the poems that I know you know because it's on your site but I, I've come across this poem and it's Summer Somewhere by uh, Dinesh Smith and, and it's, you know, yeah. it's like no need for geography now that we're safe everywhere point to whatever you please and call it church It is a sanctuary nothing is a gun? I, I, you know, I, I think that's beautifully said. But I mean, one of the things that I do wonder, and I, 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 you know, I know you don't, you weren't used to talking about politics, is what do you think of the world as it is now? And do you think that people with TCK backgrounds can help bridge all these cultural divisions, whether it's with Brexit, whether it's with several elections in several places?
0: Yeah, definitely. And that's something I've I've been thinking about so much, especially with what's been happening in France. It seems like now people are traveling more than they used to. You know, there's globalization, all of that. And there's a big, like, there's a lot of people, a lot of culture just being shared around the world, being experienced around the world. And some people are not, maybe it's too fast for some people. Some people don't take the time to understand other cultures or maybe they just don't want to understand other cultures because they're scared to lose their own or or whatever it is. And, and yeah, and ignorance is there. And then it starts to build to tensions and, and all these issues, stereotypes and all these ugly things. Um, so I think TCKs have, uh, an important role. And I've actually discussed this with people we've interviewed, um, we are able to bridge these divides. I feel we're able to connect to a culture and understand why they would have a certain opinion or perception about another culture, and we're able to kind of leverage on that and, and bridge, bridge, yeah, bridge that divide.
1: So, what are tips that you can give other people to actually work on these these open communications? This um, idea of understanding what it's like to be in another culture. What what things can um, people around the world work on to become better global citizens.
0: I think the it's it's a lot of work on yourself. I think people need to be very open minded and ready to be challenged and pushed out their comfort zones because there are, there are some maybe perhaps ethics. There are ways of life that people might not agree with that are, but they need to understand them. You know, I think that's the, that's the issue nowadays is that people claim to to know something or that they, they go come up with stereotypes and all these, these things without trying to understand, you know. So opinions are just formed without any foundation or any understanding, which is not good. And that always escalates to, like, more things. So I think people just need to, to be open-minded. Um, I don't think people... Well, if they can, that's better, but, you know, seek understanding, read global news, talk to people, try to understand. But I think it's more of an everyday thing. If you hurt yourself, you start with a stereotype or if you listen to the news or whatever and you start thinking things that are not very, I don't know, I I think it's it's very personal. Mm -hmm. It's just openness. It's hard to... To qualify, you know, because it's, it's such a big battle to fight. But it starts with ourselves, I think.
1: Absolutely. And, and uh, things I'll add to that is, first of all, stereotypes, in my opinion, are the laziest ways to understand culture because they make assumptions about who you are and what you are without actually knowing who you are and what you are. And and, yeah. and, and to your point about being open minded that, that's certainly what it is. got to start with yourself. I, I, I always say when I get asked this question, you know, there are many ways to open your mind. And one of the, one of the ways would be learning a foreign language, and learning a foreign language allows you gives you access to more people than you probably wouldn't have had access to before. But also allows you to see to just communicate in different ways than you would have communicated otherwise. Uh, like you said, the other thing is is being dog. I mean, um, very very intentional about the type of knowledge you're consuming. So it's not just reading this news. You're reading all sorts of news so you can understand all sides. And, and the other thing is just asking questions. I feel like a lot of people don't ask questions. I feel like people are afraid of asking questions today because you just don't know what to ask or they feel like they might offend someone. But the the difference mm. with doing that is that that allows you to continue to think in a certain way. Or sorry, the danger in doing that allows you to continue to think in a certain way where if you had asked a question, you might have gained access into why people think that way. So I, I do agree with you. It starts with you. But there has to be that willingness to actually do that, and say, "Hey, I want to be intentional about this. I'm okay to. It's okay if I ask a stupid question, but at least I know something more." And um, yeah, you know, hopefully we get there.
0: Yeah, it it took me a while, um, and I think that was part of my my battle uh, when I went back to France. You know, during those two years, I heard so many things. uh, When I said I lived in Singapore, I would. I would hear things like, "Do they have electricity in Singapore?" I would hear things like uh, just absurd absurd things. do you eat rice every day? do you like, like just weird things and And you know my first initial reaction was like, "Wow, these people are dumb. I don't want to talk to them, but see the I missed an opportunity there because I should have have listened and should have corrected you know them and yeah. tried to Somehow, it's really like, you know, and I think as TCKs, sometimes we just want to not deal with ignorance because yeah. we're yeah. fed up. But we have to because that, that is what can change things. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I think as TCKs, you're, you're unofficial diplomats, you're unofficial educators. And your story always reminds me of, when I first came to the States, I was 17. Um, you know, I have a different accent than a typical Nigerian would have, but people... I almost had to convince them that I was Nigerian, but then when I did, they were like, "Did you? You was the same questions you got asked. Lions, desert, uh, is that water? Is that a car? Is it like The Lion King?" And 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 initially, you know, if I if you know, people were acting like Africa is a country. Initially, I was like you, and then I was like, you know what? This is not a joke because I thought initially it was a joke. So I just started saying, "Well, it's funny that you say that, but you know, Africa is not actually a country." It's uh, broken up into more than 50 countries. So this is the part of Africa I'm from. The part you're describing in the Lion King is the East Africa. I'm from West Africa. So it, it's like you said. It's, it's like seeing that as an education opportunity, no matter how frustrating it is, it is one of the best ways you can actually use your impact. Because it might seem simple to you, but it's not simple to other people. And what is, what is the education system that people have grown up in? It just isn't one that's exposed people to the world the way a typical T C S has. So that's that's a mantle that T scales can take. And it, it's it's just a matter of changing that mindset and saying, okay, fine. This sounds dumb to me, but I'm just gonna explain it to you anyway.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: What has been your favorite interview so far that you've done?
0: Um there's two actually there's one where her name was her name is sorry louise she's actually on the on the site um she is chinese but was born in france born and raised in france so it's it's very funny because a lot of people think that tck's are only kids who travel or you know exp uh, like children of expats or, or all that but there's actually also the kids of immigrants that are TCKs as well, um, so that was, Louise is one of them, and she never went to China, but she always felt the need to go there, because the only insight she had uh, was to her parents, her parents who had left uh, China 30 years ago, uh, so they were settled in France, but they kept to their their culture a lot, so they wouldn't allow her to, to go out uh, past 7 p.m., uh, they wouldn't allow her to have a boyfriend, you know. They would be very, very different from, from the parents of the friends she had or her classmates. So she always felt like she needed to understand, you know, why why that was happening, because she didn't feel entirely French because of what she had at home. So there was a clash between what she experienced at home and what she saw at school. Uh, So she did go back to China, um, after business school, if I'm not wrong. And the China she discovered was not the China she thought she knew through her parents, uh, which was very interesting because, uh, at the time the parents came to France, it was an arranged marriage. It was, uh, China when it was still strongly communist and all that. So when she went back to, to China, I think it was a couple years ago, she discovered something entirely new and, um, it really helped her understand different things. And it really helped her um, not talk back to her parents, but know how to deal with her parents, know where her parents were coming from, why they were like behaving the way they were behaving and, and all that. Um, so yeah, that was one of my favorite ones. It was an interesting journey. The second one was an eight-year-old, actually, um, She's British-Singaporean, Singaporean-Chinese, and um, I think the loveliest part was when I asked her about where her friends came from and and all this stuff, and to her, all her friends were just her friends. You know, it didn't matter where they were from or, you know, um, it, it was just all the same. Like they, she didn't. She didn't acknowledge that you know people were from different parts of the the world. To her, it was just all the same, same group, um, same people. And I think that's very beautiful because, like, racism is something that is very, um, with, that is not known with TCKs. You know, for us, it's just different races, religion, whatever. It's just all the same. And and I think that's something that sometimes we take for granted um, because. When I went back to France, I I heard things that I was like, wow, that's kind of racist or, you know, all these things. And you kind of discover racism. You're not used to it, you know? So, yeah.
1: Huh. So, okay. You're such a fascinating person. I I love talking to you. And, you know, as we're getting ready to wrap up soon, I want to make sure I ask these questions. And one is, how has your TCK identity helped you succeed? Because I know we talked we talked a lot about some of the interesting crises that I can have, but there's been a lot of positive as well. So how how has your TCA experience helped you succeed?
0: Um, it helped me have good grades in English and French. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, beyond that, I think when I went back to start working in Singapore, and um, so I currently work in, in advertising and there's a lot of different nationalities on, in the workplace and um it's just so much easier to communicate you know and and it's something that that it's so it's so easy that when i see people who can't communicate because of cultural differences or they think this person thinks that because of the way they perceive it that's when i realize i'm very lucky because i can communicate with with different cultures and it, it helps get work done properly and fast and and it's people understand, and it's just way easier. I think it's a, it's a real advantage, um, cultural diversity in the workplace, and being able to navigate through that.
1: And um, I would I would say this: what, what would you tell your your younger self? You know, petite Mathilde, little, little Mathilde. <laughs> what would you tell her if you could go back in time?
0: Wow, well, you know, I I would be tempted to say. During the, those two years when I went back to France and I was just hating the world, um, I would have liked to go back and tell her to just change the attitude. But maybe not, because maybe I needed to go through that in order to have the mindset that I have today, I feel.
1: Everything. So
0: I'm tempted, to, yeah, I'm tempted to say no, don't, don't change yeah,
1: <laughs> it, it, it it will all work out. So, where can people find out more about what you're doing, what you're up to, then?
0: Um, so the Third Culture Project dot Okay. Uh, we're on Instagram as well, Twitter at the TCK Project, uh, and on Facebook the Third Culture Kid Project. So we recently launched a newsletter. Um, it has articles. Contributions from TCKs all around the world. So we just launched the July, sorry, the August newsletter. Has very interesting articles. Um, That's going well too. Yeah, that's what's going on. (laughs) Uh,
1: No, that's good, and I I can definitely recommend it. I I remember I came across this a few months ago, and Matilda does brilliant work. Uh, She features amazing people, and she talks about insights that you probably wouldn't have thought of. One of my favorite articles, I think, it was from this month or maybe the month before, was talking about how immigrants are actually third-culture kids. I think it's, mm. it's funny how, for me, the term TCK has become more of a, a movement, a more of a, a cultural thing where there are other people that might not be atypical or the typical type of uh, TCK, but you, there are several people that definitely know what it's like to communicate across cultures. So I've come to define that as anyone that's constantly finds themselves in between several cultures is, is like hey yeah yeah you know you're part of the family it's part of, it's not a I never wanted to be something that you take someone out uh, you kick someone out you're not included. I want TCK to be like an idea an ideology where people can say I think like a TCK. I act like a TCK. I see the world globally. And that's what just kind of where I hope it to be. I don't want it to be too inclusive at all. Because I think the yeah. world, the world is too focused on all these divisions. I'm like, no, 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 no. We, we, you don't have to uh, have a diplomat. You don't have to have a missionary. If you think this way and you want to understand the world, then this is then that's fine. I, you know, cause I just think it's. I think people are too focused on division right now when we should be focused on on building bridges instead of walls, like someone would say. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> so let me ask you a rapid fire question before we before we wrap up. So yeah favorite country in the world is
0: oh <laughs> it's not that... <laughs> i have no idea we have no yeah, idea. idea
1: like
0: i could i could tell you singapore um yeah, like i i don't know there's okay, okay. india there's france there's just all right yeah all right, all right, too all right. much
1: <laughs> country with the best food. Oh, that's like
0: <laughs> something I can't answer. As well. Oh man,
1: this is, this is, we're going 0 for two on this. Okay, fine. Okay. Con-
0: okay, country. Okay, okay. With- I will say Singapore because, but only because we there's a lot, a lot of different food. There's like Indian food, Malay food, there's Chinese food, there's Japanese food, there's even French food here, Italian food, whatever. So I'd say Singapore because there's everything.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. What about country with the best music?
0: <laughs> Those are the toughest questions of the interview. Oh man! Okay, fine,
1: fine. You know what? Let me just ask you: If if um, <laughs> who do you think who is the who do you think is a good global leader that exemplifies all the skills of what it's like to communicate across cultures? So, doesn't have to be born and grown up in several uh, several cultures, but this person individual is a good example of how global leaders should be.
0: Okay, I'm gonna sound very cliche right now, but I would say Obama, um, because he has actually he he has been raised um, in, in Indonesia, if I'm not wrong. I mean, yeah, yeah,
1: he's got several. Yeah. I mean, you know, he grew up a little bit in different parts of the world. Um, but okay, so Obama to you—that's interesting. That that might not be a popular opinion to some people, but so Obama in your in your opinion is, is a. This is a good example of a global leader.
0: Yeah. He, I just, I watched some of his speeches, you know, he can, he can talk to, to just different types of people. He's, he's funny. Um, He's, you know, self-assured. He's like, I, I would trust him, you know, and, and I don't know. I just like him a lot. All right, all a lot right. of courage.
1: Obama, in for you. Obama, in for <laughs> you. So one last piece of advice, uh, well, or piece of advice. One last thing that I normally do is ask the guests to answer my mission statement, my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. Uh, that's how I started this, and that's why I'm really passionate about all this. How do you use your difference to make a difference?
0: Mm, I think it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. I think it's just embracing that um, that those mixed feelings I had about moving back to to France and not being able to adapt to the culture, and then just. Just that, that difference, I felt that like I wasn't French, but I couldn't fit in Singapore at the same time. And then I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to start this project and then find other people who can't, who think they can't fit you know, in other places and just start this whole thing and uh, grow a community.
1: Well, there you go. Uh, Matilde Caraccio, he is using a difference to make a difference by building a community of people all over the world and people all over the world who are talking about what it's like to really live in a global and diverse world. Her website is thethirdculturekidproject.wordpress.com. She's also on Facebook and Instagram. I will be sure to put all the links on the um, website as well as show notes. So be sure to check her out. She's uh, a fascinating individual. She's someone who is very, very curious, which is something I encourage everyone else to do. And she will now be known as the lady who doesn't have a favorite country in the world so (laughs) thank you so much for coming on the show I really appreciate it
0: thank you thank you so much for having
1: me my pleasure you've just been listening to the As Tall by Nomads podcast for more ways to use your difference to make a difference as well as for show notes head over to www.uydmag.com Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing.